Do I sound normal? It's hot. Is it hot in your closet? Hot in my closet and all the windows have to be sealed to try to get it a little bit less like I'm talking inside of a can. I'm Peg. I'm Luann. And we're the Gen X Besties. Are you Luann? Tell us about Luann Celery. (laughs) Luann Celery isn't my real name, friends. I'm going to come clean and tell you the story of Luann Celery. I made it up. I used it as my name when I would fill out those order forms for the those 12 cassettes for a penny deals from Columbia House Records when I was in middle school. So I'd get the cassettes in the mail and then I would tape them with my dual cassette player and then send them back. And I didn't want to use my real name since I was scamming the system and I didn't want to get caught. That's so good. And you know, to be honest, I think it's important we never say who you really are because we don't need them coming for you now. Did you ever tape the tapes and send them back? I did. I did. And I used my name, uh, not my legal name, but my just my peg name. Um, I think this was kind of... You're telling me that I'm not unique in this? <laughs> no, I think it only gets worse. I think <laughs> I'm sure that there was more than one fake name that was used by the time it became the CD promise that you could have for the pennies. I And I remember, like, I remember what I ordered, too. Well, I remember those that, like first batch. <laughs> I think <laughs> uh, Beastie Boys licensed to ill. Uh, yes. I think Van Halen 1984. Mm-hmm. And the police, greatest hit. You know, when you did the order, did you there were always like three three or four that were had to haves. And then the rest, it was like calling from what you needed to beef up the finishing lines right that's so funny you're right yes because it was usually like a couple like two or three that you had to have and then you're like oh and then you end up with like um john tash and ah no we do not we did not end up with john i think that may have happened oh maybe you know i would have accepted john mellencamp (laughs) okay well yeah I think I would go with right. the tried and choose, or you know what else would round those out would be the ones that were records that my parents had that I thought I needed to have on cassette, probably so that I could make mixtapes. So that's probably where I ended up with things like Rolling Stones, Cat Stevens. Did you like the music that your parents listened to? Because I remember listening to their albums. I remember ABBA and Neil Diamond were huge. I remember dancing around when I was little to those in my living room in my Holly Hobby green corduroy dress. I was the bomb. I mean, I drove cross country from the year, I, the summer that I turned seven years old from Pennsylvania, actually, all the way to Florida and then out to Idaho and back. So it was like not even, it was, it was a weird trip. Idaho? On that, yeah, it's a different podcast episode. <laughs> so on that trip... The only cassette I think my mother had in the Oldsmobile was Abba Gold. So for one, she had one cassette. I believe so for three weeks. So I know Abba Gold really well. It's a, it's a double album. If I'm, if, if I'm remembering correctly, it was a double album. We had that and we had the Oldsmobile oh. cassette that came with the car when you bought it. 
And then there was the radio. So anything that happened in those three weeks on the radio, I am very sure that became important to me. And that would include Eddie Rabbit, uh, Juice Newton. Oh, yeah. All these really important. <laughs> Playing with the queen. of Yeah. I, these were definitely in heavy rotation. And then just hit up some more Abba Gold. My parents' record collection was more like the Beatles and Carole King and then all the Bob Dylan and then Joan Baez. Oh, yeah. And it just went down this kind of um, folk tale. Donovan. All great stuff, actually. I liked it a lot. Rolling Stones. I really liked my parents had those um, albums. The one with his head, like all the different little pictures of his head. I don't remember what one it is, but I remember looking at that album and um, and listening to it. But ABBA and Neil Diamond, my mom was a big Neil Diamond fan. My mom was a big Neil um, Diamond fan. I couldn't do it. She was a big Bruce Springsteen fan too. Oh, we didn't listen to Bruce at home because we lived in New Jersey and it was like not cool to like Bruce when I was young. When I would have been listening to... Bruce Springsteen it would have been after my mother had left New Jersey as a teenager and now is you know in her 30s and probably waxing nostalgic oh yeah it, so I was so I was thinking about the, the mixtape so much of that music this combination of music that you wanted to share that was the music that you really liked from right now mixed with this other stuff that you wanted to expose people to at least for me that they maybe didn't hear of or I or like I wanted them to know about. And the same with the things that I got. Like so much older music I heard for the first time through mixtapes. Um, I didn't have Rolling Stones in my life before mixtapes. I didn't have Led Zeppelin before mixtapes. And that was like in college. Boys made mixtapes that that had music on it that otherwise I wouldn't have known and be, and came to like. And Led Zeppelin is something that goes in there. Goes in that little pocket. Does it? When I was growing up, there was a radio station on Long Island, WLIR. And me, my little group of friends and I, we found this station on the dial and just fell in love with it. And it was all alternative and new wave. It was XTC and, and Violent Femmes, Depeche Mode and The Cure. And it just opened our eyes. So we were in like eighth grade I remember I think that was when that all it's seventh grade maybe and it sent me down this path of alternative music that just shaped like my tastes going forward and then college I, I was like oh wait what is this oh I've heard of the Grateful Dead but I never actually heard them right. <laughs> and Led Zeppelin like classic rock just missed it except for my parents Rolling Stones record that was like the one thing so yeah, there was like a, oh, no. um, I missed a I missed a lot of classic rock. I had a, an enormous amount of exposure to it in the late seventies when I was really small, and then it was gone until I actually I did not ever hear the Grateful Dead that I knew of until I got to college. Could not have identified a song. First time I ever heard anything of the Grateful Dead was when Touch of Grey came out and the video was on MTV. And I was so confused because I had heard of this band called the Grateful Dead and I had seen the Dancing Bears and I was very sure that it was like a murdering kind of heavy metal band. 
Yes, because of the skull. Yes. The skull. That's why it, you thought it was going to be like this death metal band. Yes. And then Jerry starts singing and I, I hear you. I agree with you. That's not something I would admit ever before today. I don't think I've ever said that out loud, but that's the truth. You get to college and that first day, everybody opens up their windows and puts the, you know, their little tape deck boombox thing on and is blasting some song. And it's like, well, there's Van Morrison down there and there's somebody with, um, what is the song? And then you walk by and you're like, what are you playing? And they're like, oh, this is Uncle John's band. It takes like five minutes. Somebody is just giving you the dead from the minute at least they were mm-hmm. in the fall of 1990. I hear, I hear you. I can, I can hear all of those, those speakers going. Yeah. And I feel like I listened. That is when, that's when I heard Led Zeppelin too for the first time. And I think the I replacements <laughs> for me happened in college in that same year. I mean, I had had. Oh, no, no. So in high school, I, um, I ended up going down the rabbit hole of, of alternative music straight onto the Smith's express by way of the cure and new order, new order and Mm -hmm. Susie and the Banshees and trying to get like very, very dark when you're in that little catchment, there's all this other great alternative music. And I didn't have a radio station, but I did have a club where I lived in Florida. That was an all ages Rock Club, it was a very small venue on the beach in Jacksonville called Einstein A Go-Go. That sounds so cool. It was really cool. For, I think, Friday and Saturday nights, I went and saw shows. And this was in the late 80s. And this is where I saw, um, like, the first show I ever saw there was Soundgarden. And they were no one. They were nobody. And I saw River Phoenix play there. No way. did I saw the dead milkman there I just would go whenever I had a good friend who could drive and he would drive us and then I had a family member that would drive and would drive us because I didn't have a license but it was a great place to go because there was no drinking it was all teenage kids that were like lost little alternative weird dancers you know we all had like our arms at our side popped around and you know disenchanted youth Correct. And we liked the Beastie Boys and we liked, so then from there, it's like hip hop came through there and, um, you know, like Living Color or Fishbone. And I just, I just that is so a cool, bring those back. Oh yeah. I was, but I was the least cool there, but I was too cool for school associated. It was great. And I think everybody who was there during those years felt the same way. It was like a place you could go and, and just do your thing and nobody cared. And also such good music. I mean, a lot, I mean, Camper Van Beethoven, 10,000 Maniacs, they all, because anybody that was Southern too, like in the Athens music scene at the time would have known about Einstein's because it was Jacksonville, which is not that Mm -hmm. far and come down the Connells. The Connells. Anyway, we're off track, but that was like where I got out of the radio um, and into like just whatever was different. And then everything else I learned about music, I think, really did come from a mixtape or a soundtrack. Soundtracks. Did you ever listen to the Dream with the Fishes soundtrack? I don't really remember the whole arc of the story, but it was depressing and 
but the soundtrack was amazing. And I have a confession. I, I taped it for someone and gave it to them, <laughs> passed it off as my own mixtape. Luann, did you ever do that? That's no, terrible. but that's, that is pretty good. That's, that's I'm low. It's, that's it's low. I'm impressed. I do know that soundtrack and I know that soundtrack because of you and, and a bestie that we have in common that you were out in Seattle with. Actually, I saw that movie in Seattle. Anyway, I saw the movie. I liked the movie a lot. I was surprised, but oh. um, the movie is very dark. It's like, yeah, cat wants to kill himself because he's mopey and he's going to pay. He's got $50,000 for his life insurance payout. And it, he gets a guy who, if he'll you know shoot him and make it seem like an accident, he can have money. But the soundtrack is the best. It's a lot dark. of depressing songs. Yeah. Yes. A lot of depressing. <laughs> that you make a mixtape and call it like Lewin's Mix. And it's literally the soundtrack of a movie. Good job. Yeah, I did that. I did that. Good job. Um, <laughs> did it work? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I think I like stuck it in the mail and just said, yeah, I'm proud of myself. <laughs> Good job. But so, did you ever get like a mixtape from a boy and like you're like sifting through the lyrics for like the meaning behind, you know? I still can't shed some light on his devotion. Oh my God. Why can't I learn this lesson even now? I I don't think they mean it, but okay. Yes, I did. It's It's terrible. I do it now and I don't do it because it's not just, it always disappoints. It's not true. But I do remember. um, And (laughs) there's a classic (laughs) mixtape from my, from my past that was not made for me. It was made by a, a, a young man for a, a girlfriend of mine. And it was such a good mixtape that she would copy it and say like, you need to have his mixtape. Cause it's so like the music's so good. And on that mixtape, I first heard, this would have been right after middle school. I first heard um, Velvet Underground. I first heard Sinead O'Connor's first album. I heard Led Zeppelin. The tape ends Luann with him saying he loves her. Like the the boy who made the mix, he says her name and he says, I love you. And then he plays Elton John's R song. It worked for her. I don't think he meant for me to have it. I feel like she should have cut that part off before she disseminated it to other people. Do not take any, do not take any ethical musical you are on shaky what? ethical ground. Peg, I am on shaky ethical ground. And also mixtape <laughs> behavior. Yes, you are. But right. You know, exactly. I will say I learned etiquette. Right mixtape etiquette. Well, I learned there not to say anything on the tapes. <laughs> you can bury it in a lyric. No. That's it. Otherwise, don't say it. I never I, said it, and I'm and no. because of that person and his love though was really it was it's really- like when you're telling your kids never send pictures of body parts right like the 1985 version right <laughs> don't profess your love to a teenager on a recording and expect that they that they won't share it with their friends so exactly it's the same We're just running over the same old ground, Peg, year after year. 
albums that got onto mixtapes, I really felt like I was helping to change people's lives for the better by sending them out. You know, they were going to have a little Liz Fair, a little Beck, a little, Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe an appropriately placed old Rolling Stones song or, or snippet because you don't just record the songs on the mixtapes. You also have the snippets. What? What do you mean? Like a piece of a song? I don't think I ever did that. You didn't? No. Oh, well, you were, what were you like the sampling music? A little bit. Yeah. Oh, no. no, I didn't well, do that. So, well, who else would have been on there? Like Blind Melon. Blind Melon would have been on there. A Belly oh my God. would have been on there. <laughs> what? You didn't like Belly? I, they're on my list of bands that I wanted to like, but didn't. Like, I oh, felt I should okay. like, but I didn't. I oh, like your. Right. It's like your Belle and Sebastian. We're supposed They're to. Terrible. Oh, I have more. You're on supposed that to. You're supposed yeah. to like Belle and Sebastian. You're also supposed to like Radiohead, Luann. Yeah, Radiohead it was never. Yeah, you are supposed to like Radiohead. Yeah, didn't happen. Because it's, you know, there it's on a next level for people with more refined musical ears than me or something. I don't know. Well, that's great for them. They can have that and they can also have IPA. And they can have Pearl Jam, and they can have all of you <gasps> too. They can. They have can have Rush. What? You like Rush? Of course I do. That's good. You're like, you're like the only female that likes Rush. I think. Oh well, good. There's actually mom. someone did some sort of study. It doesn't appeal to. Um, someone did something for some reason, like the wavelengths of the music or the. I'm not kidding. Google it. Okay, uh, well I'll put that on my list, but definitely I'll tell you. Mr. Celery was literally crying when that guy died from Rush a couple of years ago, and he was blasting it from the speakers. Mr. Celery oh. and I will ha- we will we'll pour out a drink and we'll listen to Limelight, and I'll be happy as long as we don't okay. have to do that when it comes time for you two because it's not happening for me. You two, you don't like, huh? I mean, I don't get it. I, I like some it. of their older stuff, like Boy. I don't even know what that is. I agree. I'm with. I you mean, there. also REM. I'm sorry. I liked R.E.M. There were some songs in high school. Mostly it was just boys in high school that liked that stuff that I, so therefore I, I would like it, but I can leave most of it. I um, dated a, somebody in college who was a big R.E.M. fan. He even had a big Superman on the back of his jean jacket, a big S. I think I do remember what my first CD was that was I it? got. I think it was Depeche Mode Violator. That's <laughs> and a I think great I got choice. It. I think I got it from my high school graduation. I remember taking the plastic wrap off mm-hmm. and not knowing how to open the case right away <laughs> and how fragile the CD itself seemed. And I was, I was so afraid to scratch it. Do you remember when there was that brief time? I mean, I feel like it was brief when CDs came in a long box that had the Oh, yeah. So you couldn't it. steal them probably, right? Yeah, it was, a, it was a theft thing before they learned to put them in those locked like bras that they would unlock yeah. the register. <laughs> That's right. Person I met in college freshman year and she had saved all the big boxes that her CDs were in and they were all over her wall. And I remember thinking like, I will never be as cool as this person. That's and, a brilliant idea. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty cool. The first CD I ever bought, it was late. I want to say it was Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Oh yeah, that was... Later on. I think I really, I stuck with the CD, with the, I stuck with cassettes because I had a car 
And mm. I had all my cassettes. And your mixtapes. I had all my mixtapes. Oh, I mean, the cassettes lasted long after the advent of CDs. That was because, yeah, because of your car, mostly, because of listening to music in the car and being able to record. I mean, we didn't couldn't record the CDs then. No. That wasn't part of the technology at that point. You could have a CD and record it onto a cassette. Correct. Then you just have a mixtape. Right. So um, I do remember, and I also loved, I mean, I my car had, you know, a hundred cassette tapes in it under the passenger seat and like in the glove mm-hmm. box, just loose. They were so rugged compared to CDs. They are. I still have a pile of them and they're like beat up and you can, the, the words that we wrote on the labels, you can barely read. They just, they're banged up. Mm-hmm. I, I found one the other day in my crawl space when I was thinking about this um, podcast episode and it's labeled grounded March 3rd, 1990. But I need senior year. You I, uh, well, grounded. That's, there was an, there was an incident. Well, let's not get into that on this episode. <laughs> no. But I, I want to hear it. I, wanna I don't know. have a cassette player. Yeah, I want to know. I definitely the that year, that senior year, those mixtapes are probably there. That's music that you could play when I'm completely senile, and I'll still come right back to life. And that would include Paul's Boutique. I will come back to life and sing Paul's all everything on Beastie Boys. Paul's Boutique. Everywhere. Everywhere. I will sing it poorly, but I will know the words. It doesn't matter. It's just like when we're in the home. Luann, our our children need to be told to just put that on. To when we're ready for the urn, spring alive. If they need to know anything for sure, sh- if they need my passwords, just play any track from that album, and I'll mm-hmm. come back briefly enough to tell them. Okay, so tell me, Peg, mm-hmm. what was the worst concert you ever went to? Actually, would be the first Lollapalooza, because I don't. Like, I'm not a festival girl. And it was just Mm. hot and long. And Susie and the Banshees didn't come. You know, the Beastie Boys were so tiny from where I was standing. And it was a long ride home from Foxborough Stadium. So, boo-hoo. There's a couple of worst (laughs) experiences. I remember seeing the White Stripes in Brooklyn at the uh, that stadium where the Cyclones play in Coney Island, and it was outside, and it was freezing and raining sideways. Um, and I remember seeing another one. It was Neil Young and Crazy Horse. We get to the concert, and he starts. Neil Young starts rambling like he's going to tell a story. He goes on for an hour, what? and it turns out it was this rock opera or something, and no one. We weren't the only people. We, we got there with no expectations for a rock opera. People were booing. <laughs> no, they, they were booing. Yeah, that's horrible. I mean, you're expecting this rock and roll experience, and he—it was just a super downer. Sometimes you just get, you just get famous. I saw the Grateful Dead. Maybe it was just Jerry. I don't know something out in California. Wait, and. Pause. But right now, Luann, I'm praying that you're about to tell them the story. Go. I am. So I'm in line for the porta potty bathroom. It's so 
hot. It is a dust bowl wherever this place was. And there's hippies are everywhere. There's naked kids running around. There's twirlers. So we're waiting in line in the bathroom and there is a man, a full grown man, sitting in the dust and his balls are visible under his twirly skirt hanging in the dirt. Literally, his balls were in the dirt peg. They are. I can't unsee it. I couldn't unsee it. Luann, I'm so glad because you're telling me that story two years after that incident has become a 30-year gold mine for me. (laughs) To this day, balls in the dirt is all I ever need to say. (laughs) It sums it up. You can see it every September here in the Midcoast in a little thing we like to call the Common Ground Country Fair. Balls in the dirt, hippie fest? We did not go to a lot of big shows together, but we certainly saw our share of small fan favorites. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I don't, when, when I try to think of my favorite concerts, they're not the big ones. I feel like they're, when we used to live um, together, we had a lot of friends who were in bands. There's a pretty vibrant music scene where we were living, and we would go and see them play live at these tiny clubs. We'd be on the guest list, and we wouldn't have to pay the cover charge of $5. We felt like we're Queen. friends with the band. Queens. Queens. We felt like queens. I would like to tell a story about one of those evenings. Our roommate was in one of these bands. And she had many fans. And she was so deserving of every one of them. But this gentleman has fashioned an origami rose out of a paper napkin and has delivered it to her on the stage. And I remember the two of us talking after this moment and just saying, like, for one night, how fun it would be to switch places with her and to just be adored in that way. Cause it was a very sweet gesture. Yeah. That's a, that's yeah. She was, she had a lot of fans who doesn't want to be a rock star. <laughs> I mean, maybe rock stars don't, but I wouldn't know. Yeah, Those were fun times. They were, I don't like New Year's Eve. There's like a lot of pressure. It's like, where's the party going to be? What are you going to do? Who are you going to be with? It's a rookie night. rookie night so my best memories of that holiday whatever that event seeing bands that we knew playing shows being in those clubs and just dancing and having drinks with friends pretty treasured memories and the rest of new year's eve i'd never understood those were the best shows they were and we all just it was it's a small town we all knew we all knew each other everybody knew everybody but it was in a good way Oh, those were good days. Good times. Yep. I had a babysitter growing up, and I think she was the first one to play MTV in our house. And so I saw it really early on. I do remember seeing that first video, Video Killed the Radio Star. Mm -hmm. I remember sitting on the floor. We had like gold shag rug in our family room at the time. And I remember sitting on it, watching this, it's a show, you know, you, I never would have watched at that age. I mean, a, a channel I never would have otherwise looked at. And being like, what is this weird thing going on with the song? So never great. saw a video before. And then, do you remember Abracadabra by the Steve Miller Band? That was like right at that same time. Trippy videos. I had a different 
young experience than you did, I think. And I, I was predominantly raised by television and I was completely unsupervised, unsupervised and taking care of tiny children. Oh. So when MTV came out, I would have had it on all day. After I watched Gidget and those shows petered out in the late morning, I would have put MTV on and just had it on the rest of the day um, while I was doing whatever else, taking care of babies. I know all of those videos. The You Might Think video was really big for me, the Cars video. All the Cars. Where yeah. she comes out of the tube of lipstick. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's yes. visual genius. I don't even know how they do that. Like, I just remember. <laughs> and Jay Giles, like where... Um, is it, is it freeze frame? Oh, centerfold. It was freeze frame where they were throwing all the paint around. I'm like, they just must be so rich Mm -hmm. to be able to behave that way. (laughs) Rich. Well, like, um, Phil Collins with the swimming pool in the back of his limo for Susudio. Yeah. You do like learn about all this wealthy living and just like, actually the, okay, here's memory. Boys of summer dead. I saw a deadhead sticker on a Cadillac made sense to me and then I was like oh that's a that's a band like that's when I saw that deadhead meant grateful dead and I started to put that together but then I put it all away for like 10 years Peg, I feel like I I am the same on this okay. I remember hearing that deadhead sticker on a Cadillac and knowing what it was but not or like I'm like skull death <laughs> music <laughs> be afraid a little voice inside your head yeah. says, don't look back. See, it was a cautionary tale from the Eagles that made me afraid of the dead. They used to have a call-in hour where people, I guess with money, because it was like, you know, a dollar ninety-nine a minute or whatever, could request a song. And then they would play like the top five oh, videos yeah. of the day. And when I tell you that Motley Crue's Home Sweet Home video was on every night as the number one (laughs) song and that I had to watch it every day knowing it was going to be on like at six o'clock or 550 or whenever it was, you know? Because it was the only time you could listen to it because it wasn't like you had Spotify and just put it on repeat. Right, and no one had put it on a mixtape for me yet. And that was my song for me and my crush (laughs) that they didn't know. But that was the time when... He and I could think in my mind about what our future would be. It was your ballad. It was my ballad. 120 minutes. I remember coming home from college and watching it because I didn't have TV at college or cable or I didn't have MTV. I remember sitting up watching that show, all the new music with Matt Kenfield or something, the bald guy. Right. And in high school, it would have been Headbangers Ball, which I would watch, which you probably skipped, but I didn't. Yes. I would watch that. That's so overplayed on the radio now. I still listen to regular on the dial radio in the car. I don't have uh, Sirius or anything. And those classic rock stations are, are, well, it's, I don't even know what these stations, it's like, they just play the 90s stuff and they play Nirvana ad nauseum. Right. So I don't know, but I wish they would just dig a little deeper. Right. This must have been what it was like when the radio just had, you know, Steely Dan and the Eagles and Led Zeppelin on. And people were like, can someone please play, you know, any number of these 4,000 other great bands? I know. How come you hear the same? Okay. This is one song I could live with never hearing again for the rest of my life. Okay. Every Breath You Take by The Police. 
Yeah, that was true 20 years ago too. It's only worse now. Never need to hear that again. The, you know, all the, there were so many delightful other bands. We didn't even get into the, all the bands I saw in Seattle, Luscious Jackson. I saw Modest Mouse there before the lead singer was old enough to even drink. They were like cracking jokes in the audience or the on stage that he was performing this packed house. The, I don't remember what the name of the venue was, but he wasn't even old enough to drink yet. It was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. And um, yeah. And, and then there's the ones in New York city. I mean, the yeah, yeah, yeahs and Karen O living in our little neighborhood and um, going to the Mercury lounge and seeing all those bands that ended up kind of making it big. That's later. I didn't take advantage of that enough when I lived there, for sure. Did not. Having all that right outside of your doorstep? Ugh. I don't know. I mean, I feel like the whole time I was in New York, I just kept thinking, I want to go back to that little college town where I could just stumble over to that place and be on the guest list and go in and leave right when the last song is done. Yeah. Did you look over the charts on the old... Um, the Rolling Stone magazine that I sent you from October of 1994. Well, that was the one, that was the one that you, I started, that's the one that I said, I responded, I'm like, I need to go through this really slowly. There's just so much there. There's so much there that that was, I can't believe all those fans. I'm definitely going to have to post a picture of this page because it is a lot to look at. I mean, it is just the three images on the page are the Lion King soundtrack, Julio, and the front cover of Sebado's album. Sebado. I How never could have put those three in the same, I wouldn't no. have put them in the same five-year span, let alone the same week no. in Rolling Stone magazine. And then Ace of Bass with the sign. Oh, Nine Inch Nails is on here and on this on this chart from 1994. Mm-hmm. I have a story about that. Um, after the prom, we, my boyfriend and I and a couple of other friends stayed at someone's beach house in New Jersey. And the next day, uh, we went to the boardwalk and it was like a rainy, cold, cool June day on the boardwalk. And so we're playing arcade games and he did the spinny one. And he want it was like all music and um he was like cds i guess it was cds or maybe it was tapes but he landed on something and his choice was nine inch nails and we listened to that all summer in my grandmother's golf because i had her car that summer because she had cataract surgery Mm -hmm. so she couldn't drive and so i had her car it was like amazing to have my own car that was great yeah, listening to Nine Inch Nails in my grandma's golf. <laughs> That's amazing. And a good car to boot. Gen X Besties is Luann Celery and me, Peg. See you next Tuesday. <laughs>